The comment section is back for another week. Uh, crazy week one in the NBA bubble. A ton of uh, MLB news. Uh, the week started in the craziest of fashions for the New York Mets. Uh, we'll get to that. A uh, ton of NHL news going on. A few teams already eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs. And uh, the NFL opt-out deadline was today, I believe. So the final opt-outs are set. Um so it'll be interesting to see how the training camps move along. It's probably the busiest week that, I mean, obviously sports has had since March. And this is probably the busiest week that I've had to like try to pay attention to as much sports as I could to have to the ability to talk about all these topics this week. Uh, so, I mean, I guess we'll start on Sunday afternoon. I look at my phone and I see that, Joanna Cespedes didn't report to the Mets game. Nobody's heard from him. The Mets released a statement saying, we don't know where he is. We haven't talked to him. And I'm just thinking this is typical Mets drama, typical Mets <laughs> BS that doesn't ever change. And it won't ever change until they sell the team. And I am a proud Mets fan and they just shit the bed again with the way they handled the situation. Uh, I don't think Joanna Cespedes handled the situation great, but it, he apparently there's two different versions of this story. So one that I had heard is that he didn't talk to the team. He didn't tell anybody he was leaving. He just packed up all his shit and he left. And then I want to say maybe Tuesday or Wednesday, it started coming out that some of the players had heard his agent was told by Joannis that morning that he is opting out. And now it makes it seem like the Mets were trying to make him look like a bad guy. And he has quite a track record. So I'm not defending him if he did not tell anybody, but the Mets overall, like I I just, their front office is the worst in baseball and they could have handled this so much better. I I don't know. What's your take on the whole thing? I I don't know if like, if somebody from the Phillies, like if, if Bryce Harper decided to just, you know, last year of his contract also up and leave during the midst of all this. No, that wouldn't happen. So at uh, CVP, there's fans that are at center field staring in. So if he tried to sneak out the back, somebody would (laughs) catch him and (laughs) kick his ass. But um, further into that, beyond just him, ghosting you guys like that i heard that a rod and j-lo have more partners to boost up their their price tag and so the original guy that's bidding the mets would rather go with a rod and his crew if they could just raise a, a few more dollars and part of that which i like about the the owners the uh, the current owners is because you want to leave what you have in good hands. You know, there, there's, I mean, yes, you, you could give, uh, you know, get more money for it, but at the same time, you put so much into it, so much time and energy. And I mean, they're probably going to be Mets fans for life, regardless if they sell it or not. So having and these guys, you know, A-Rod has all those um, MLB connects and, I texted my uncle earlier. I said, how did we go a few years ago to hating A-Rod because of steroids? And now we just kind of love him. Like he's, he seems like he's a cool guy now. He's, he's on the, the networks and 
I enjoy what he has to say, um, except when he's announcing Yankee games because he's, he just, you know, dangles from the ball sack. But, <laughs> but like, I, like, I almost like him, like I like Tony Romo, where it's like, oh, okay, you're forgiven. But I think they can bring some maturity and some vision and direction as opposed to the, the other bidder who's, who has Steve, no – Steve Cohen. That's yeah, the, he, uh, he doesn't have guy. any um, connections into the sports world he, or realm. He's just he a has, businessman. Yeah, he has a lot of money. Like he could outbid this group if he wanted to from everything that I've seen. There's a lot of questions about his moral character – he was investigated by the SEC, I want to say, seven years ago on some, uh, you know, inappropriate dealings. So I don't know if he was ever charged with anything formally. He probably was, but uh, that's the only thing. I, you know, he's a minority owner in the Mets right now, which is probably the only thing that gives him a little bit of um, advantage on like A Rod or J Lo's group. But listen, if you sell it to A Rod and J Lo's group and they bring their PR team in and put them in the Mets front office, it's going to be a complete 360 of how situations like what happened with Cespedes are handled and countless number of things over the years. I mean, Matt Harvey's no show at the playoff workout in 2015. Nobody knew where the hell he was. He was probably hung over and trying to like, you know, chug some Gatorade or some shit in his penthouse uh, apartment in Manhattan back then. But the stuff that leaks to the press, you got to have a capable PR group. And for myself, it's an embarrassment just because it's the same stuff. Every time something like this happens, they can't handle delivering news to the media very well. And last Sunday was just another example of it. And but what's, what's yeah. good is, is that A-Rod's been doing that his whole life. Exactly. And, and same with J-Lo. And, yes. and because A-Rod has been sitting next to those players, he would know how to address this guy one-on-one or even go to the camera and be like, you know what, this guy's getting cut. No, I agree with you 100%. And like you said, we went from pretty much putting the scarlet letter on A-Rod when he was found to be doing steroids, when he got suspended for a year. And then seven years later... Everybody, like you said, had, you know, he's a great analyst uh, on the Fox games and the studio show and for the, uh, the ESPN broadcast. I mean, he's not terrible to listen to. I know he gets a lot of flack from a lot of people, but I mean, you, you got a Hall of Famer talking about tricks of the game, but you're not picking up on your own. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, <I agree. laughs> listen to him. So, I mean, that, that was my <clears throat> week as a Mets fan. And then, you know, they just can't seem to put any type of winning streak together. They lost a couple of games to the nationals. So, you know, I'm, I'm not fully checked out on them just yet, but it's getting to that point where, you know, you'll be 15 games into the season and you'll probably have no shot of making the playoffs when there's no excuse for them not to with the, especially the way they expanded. My biggest, I think surprise this week was just the amount of basketball that I watched and that <laughs> the league pass has been a blessing. Uh, they're in the NBA bubble. I mean, I caught a couple of the uh, Suns games, which were pretty entertaining. Just the Suns Clippers game on, I think it was Tuesday afternoon, was just insane. And it was super entertaining to watch. Uh, a couple of the uh, Boston Celtic games have been entertaining. The Raptors, I mean, all the teams that 
you expected to be competitive or being competitive, and then all the teams who were making kind of push. yeah, well, with the exception of the, uh, the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Lakers, yeah. Um, but teams are really fighting for the eighth and ninth seeds to create the the eighth seed play in. I mean, those are some of the most competitive games that I've seen uh, in the NBA in a long time, and I think a lot of it does have to do with eliminating the eight teams that just had no shot like the Warriors the Knicks uh, I can't think of who else it is off the top of my head but those type of teams you know why even waste time and and invite them to Orlando when they'll probably just no show some of those games anyway like those teams have nothing to gain and the teams that are already in the playoff hunt have nothing to gain by beating them so uh, <clears throat> that's uh a good move on the NBA for cutting the number of teams down. Uh, I don't know if you they had a chance to watch. more, though. Yeah, I mean, they probably could have made it. Because it's like 18 um, teams, maybe. Uh, 22 teams are in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's tough. So then yeah, it's third. Maybe, maybe um, 18 or 19. So you Because I like this whole – you know, the Grizzlies are fighting to stay in. The Blazers are co- trying to come back and sneak in there. The Suns are trying to do something. But they did this whole huge 22 playoff teams so that they can have Zion in the playoffs and the Pelicans are just crashing yes. and burning. That, that was and the team I was going to bring up. in the ass because it's – I mean, what, Zion plays some minutes, but it seems like he's putting – all his energy in those minutes on only scoring. Yeah. Because I've never seen anybody score like like averaging a point a minute. I mean, mm-hmm. he's insane. But then they're giving up easy buckets. Yeah, and it's not – I mean, they lost every game that they played in the bubble. And as we speak right now, they're tied in the third quarter with the Wizards. So – you know, it's. I definitely think you have something to your theory there that they were trying to get him into the playoffs by any means and expanding it, but that opened the door for a team like Portland or a team like Phoenix to take everybody by surprise, especially with a four and a half month uh, layoff that they had. It's, it was pretty much a risky move for them to do that. They, so it's. I think if you're gonna try to get Zion in, make it less obvious. <laughs> but Well, uh, uh, the Pelicans won one game. Oh, they did? They beat the – yes, they beat the Grizzlies because that was the rookie of the year matchup. Oh, yes. That's right. But, yeah. but here's the thing is that they made their schedule super, super easy. So, had they played Zion a few extra minutes, they should have gotten the, the first win against yeah. – um, Utah. Yeah, against the Jazz – the Kings, they shouldn't have got beat up by the Kings, nah. and they're going to play the Kings again. They're playing Orlando, sucks. Mm-hmm. And they're playing uh, the Spurs. Sucks. And the Spurs suck. And the Spurs, so, who are, the Spurs are actually in the mix too, but – Literally the only team that was that they should lose to is the Clippers, but now they're yeah. losing to everybody. Yep. And the, the sheet that I was just looking at, the, the colors all kind of melt uh, mesh together. So oh, yeah, they, the, <laughs> the, uh, the Memphis win that the Pelicans had looked like a loss. So that's my mistake. Sorry about that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the two teams that I think 
the surprise the most, obviously we've said it now is Phoenix and Portland. Uh, the game last night by Damian Lillard was insane. 11, three pointers, 45 points. The, the dude just, I was watching some of the highlights pulled up from like the half court circle and just launched them. And they were just kind of like, not Damn even hitting the net. they weren't even hitting the net. They were just like, <laughs> yeah, straight through scooting I mean, right through. I don't think I've seen anybody shoot like that. Uh, since yeah, Curry, really, yeah, and it's, like out. I said, it's amazing what a, a four month layoff will do, but it really opens up now. Okay, Memphis struggles down the stretch, Memphis hasn't won a game, and they're yeah. the ones that have that, that seed, so yeah, yeah. They, I, they just ended up winning today, actually. So they did beat the Thunder today, uh, but going one and four to start with three games left, they're going to be holding on for dear life once Portland and Phoenix catch up and everything. I, I definitely think Portland is going to be in this play-in game, whether they're the eighth seed or they're the ninth seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would be foolish to think that if Portland does make the playoffs, that that first round matchup for the Lakers is a cakewalk because Dame can spread the floor and cause some of the Lakers defenders to be in areas of the floor where they're not supposed to be. And, It'll probably make it more competitive than it should be. The Lakers will probably still win it, but I could see Portland pushing them to to yeah. five game or six game series in yeah. a tough series, Probably a close six. series. Um, and so the Lakers have the worst shooting percentage in the bubble. They can't shoot from the threes. I think they went like two for nineteen last night and uh, just gave up. Yeah, and then um, LeBron wasn't playing last night, so there is a, a factor there. Uh, but Martin had a great game. Yeah, West, yeah. Russ didn't play. Uh, Houston's so been saying that's one, uh, you know, one for one, but yeah, it, it almost is. Yeah, it, it's pretty even, I would say. It, it in terms of your number, well, your number one scoring option, one A scoring option, being like Davis was still out there, so yeah, and he was a, he was a bum. <laughs> yeah, uh, but Houston has started all strong as well. Uh, I mean, it, it's crazy to see how many of these teams though came out of the gate with nothing i mean washington i didn't expect much from boston's been uh semi mediocre. Yeah. yeah they, they did have a big blowout one against the nets uh, but who, who can't who can't i can't <laughs> name one net, net player because <laughs> half their team half their team was injured before the bubble mm-hmm. and the other half got injured with corona entering yeah. the bubble and they have the a and they have a new coach that i don't even know if they played a game with uh their current coach before the shutdown happened so there's that aspect to it i mean it's really a, an open uh thing right and an open competition now for the title because a lot of these teams might not have it you, you take for granted that they're going to show up in the playoffs mm-hmm. and turn the switch mm-hmm. on but this isn't a normal tournament as we know so uh one of the things that stood out to me and uh, be interesting to see your perspective from as a fan of the Sixers and the East Coast part of it in the Eastern Conference is well, (laughs) Philly's done and we'll get to that Um, but well I guess we could touch on that now I I didn't know that Ben got as seriously hurt as he did like I'd seen that he was taken for an MRI and it looked clean and he was day to day and then the next afternoon he's out for the rest of the uh, season it just keeps getting worse for that guy. And it's 
you know, his first year was marred by injury, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. without him on the floor, where does that leave the Sixers in your mind? Uh, they're done. I mean, I don't – they – they're just a tough team to understand. I mean, they could pretty much go undefeated at home and then not get a win on the road. Mm-hmm. So basically, they're if Amari Cooper was a basketball team, <laughs> um, and then you know Ben Simmons isn't a shooter. He likes to drive. He likes to go in the lane, but that's where Embiid is trying to get all his points. Mm-hmm. So they they either need to to work on their chemistry or just move on. And they, they're going to have to pick one, and I think they signed Ben long term last summer, right? So uh, you can always trade that, though. Yeah, yeah, depending on who wants to pick it up. It's, I think, I've always said that those two would have a hard time coexisting for the long term, just because of what you said, the way that their style of play kind of goes up against the other. It's too too similar, I guess, is the best way to describe it. Uh, but now it makes it really seem like the Jimmy Butler free agency signing is coming back to bite him because had he still been there, you know, this would have been a blow, but at least you still would have had a guy who could get you 20 points, 25 points a night and try right. to get, you know, and beat some of his uh, points in the paint. And it's just stinks overall because I do like Ben Simmons as a player. I think he's a great player to watch. He, he has talent that not a lot of point guards have these days. Um, he's a versatile player. He's trying to learn how to shoot a three, so I got to give him the credit for that. But I don't know. I don't know. Just because somebody, I said he's trying. Like, just because somebody filmed you taking one or two three point shots, you know, get out of my face. Like, like I said, he's trying. Which, which I mean, he, I think the other night he had like eight points. I, I just don't understand him. He's a very mysterious player. So, I mean, long term, what do you think? Are they going to stick with him? Or are they going to? Keep Embiid? Uh, are they going to get rid of both of them? I have no idea. I would keep Embiid and then see if you can move Ben and try to restart. I think the better idea would have just – I mean, if it came down to it, would have been to keep Butler and get rid of Simmons. Yeah. And that, that's kind of what my assessment of it is too, especially I – want, I want a leader on the team. And Ben yeah. is just like um, – he's almost like a different type of uh, Leonard where he's like kind of quiet – ish you know mm-hmm. like i don't know the only difference is with Kawhi, he can be quiet and you know any second he can pop off for right 15 20 points in a row because he can shoot the ball <laughs> right so that's that is the only challenge that or one of the only challenges that simmons brings to the table but uh, staying in the east so my biggest observation from the east was milwaukee had some trouble with brooklyn the other day and yeah, it was scary. And I was watching uh, a lot of the the Raptors games that have been on. I've caught them just because I like the way that they play. They're they're a defensive oriented team for the most part. You can't break their defense uh, easily you know, unless you're like you know hitting wide open shots on a consistent basis on a night. Then you'll be in contention with them. But I mean, I think they are getting. Uh, less respect being the defending champions going into 
the bubble and pretty much not losing any ground from what they had last season. Uh, they're healthy now, which they weren't when the season was stopped. So you got to consider that. And I think based on what I saw between the Bucks games and the Raptors games, that if they play in the playoffs, I do think the Raptors have a shot at beating them again, no matter how good Giannis is, because the defense will let Giannis get his points, but they won't let anybody else get it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've seen. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch any of those games that have been on. I've been uh, paying attention and seeing some highlights and stuff. Mm-hmm. I just don't – I don't know if the Bucks have what it takes. Just, you know, like when, when you can see a team and, and you're like, man, these guys are really good. Yeah. I just don't think they can go to the championship round. That's these guys. Mm-hmm. You know? And I, I don't th- – yeah, I don't think that – uh, they'll come out of the East if they do have to face the Raptors. If the Raptors happen to get eliminated before they play Milwaukee, then they then, can, yeah, then they can come out. Yeah, but, but it's um, going to be tough for them to beat. They could Toronto. be Boston. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I, it's going to be hard for some of these guys to just turn on the okay. We're in the playoffs now because number one, the atmosphere is going to yeah. be completely different. Uh, and you like, I think you even said before, like they're kind of in the playoffs right now, so to speak, mm-hmm. because they're fighting for seating in your conference. It's like the, the, all those conference games that they have before March Madness that right. determine the, um, the seating. Right. So a lot of these guys are trying to fight for that last slot. Mm-hmm. You know? And no. some of the other guys that, you know, as we mentioned with the Lakers, I mean, they're just kind of cruising in now, but. The Clippers are up and down. I, just, I can't. I can't put my finger on fire. You know. Yeah, I can't put my finger on the Clippers because, like I said, I was watching the Clippers Suns game because for whatever reason, I'm. I think that Devin Booker is probably one of the best young stars in the league and not gotten a lot of exposure. And during the course of the regular season, like I'm like, who, who is this guy? Like I have to like see how he plays and obviously being on the East coast, it's hard to watch some West coast games. And then when I got the league pass set up and was able, was able to watch some of these West coast games, I'm like, this guy is super talented and he has some pieces around him. They just got to take the next step and he'll be on the level of a Dame Lillard, or maybe mm-hmm. in a few years, he'll be a team you build uh, around like Curry or uh, Kawhi or somebody like that. And it blows my mind that he had an, I think, 70-point game or 71-point game a few years ago. Completely yeah. slipped my mind that he even did that because of the fact that he's just on a terrible team. I mean, Phoenix hasn't been relevant since Steve Nash left, you know, however many years ago. Oh, and Amari. Yeah. I mean, that was the last time that they had any real type of uh, playoff run in them. So to see them kind of, you know, battle with the Clippers and – give them some trouble if they happen to make it into the eighth seed or into the play in game, they could make some noise. But after that, I don't think they would do too much, but it would be interesting to see how they uh, manage that. Yeah, I got, I got, um, I'm pretty much have the uh, Portland as a lock for that, that last seed. Yeah. I think the way they're playing, it's going to be, Tough to to stop them. 
And I believe it was uh, Tuesday night. They had the, I think it was their, their game against Denver. Houston. Uh, Houston, Houston was Tuesday night. Oh, I'm sorry. So I was watching that game too, the end of that game. And Carmelo Anthony just out of oh, nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> He's there in clutch time. Skinny uh, Mellow. Good for him because I didn't think he was completely done when no, I didn't he think left. He yeah, when he left Houston, I didn't think he was done. I just thought he had trouble adjusting to his role. That's the perfect way to explain it. It's same thing when he was with Oklahoma City. Like if had he accepted coming off the bench and understood where he was in his career, maybe Oklahoma City could have made a run against Golden State in one of those playoffs and, mm-hmm. you know, really giving Durant and Curry and Thompson a, a tough matchup. But, you know, he was probably not ready to accept that, which I guess is hard for any athlete to do. Uh, you know, his time with the Knicks is well-documented as a colossal failure in my yeah. book because, yeah. you know, he came there with a lot of hype. They made the playoffs with him the first three years he was there, but, the only time they really did anything was in 2013 and they lost to uh, the Indiana Pacers who they shouldn't have lost to. And then they never recovered from that. And then he had a lot of issues with, you know, he was injured one year. It was the year that the all-star game was in New York, but he wanted to play in the all-star game because it was in New York. I'm like, but you're not playing any of the regular season games <laughs> with any of the intensity. So that kind of soured me on him as a, a Knicks fan. And then when they brought Porzingis in, you know, I, I can tell you that whole time period was a complete blur from the time they drafted Porzingis to the time they traded Carmelo, because I just didn't care like what they were doing. It was just, it's embarrassing to be a Knicks fan. So I was like, you know what, whatever they do, I don't really care. Uh, I think his resurgence now does show that, it takes these guys a while to accept where they are, but once they do, they still have mm-hmm. enough in the tank. And yeah, you know, I would be um, thrilled for him to see him just drill a, a game-winning shot in LeBron's face in one of those games. That would be pretty fun to see. At least he could say he has something on LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> one shot. Yeah. No, I don't guess. get me wrong. His uh, contribution to the Olympic team. Oh yeah, for has sure. been for sure. outstanding. 100%. Yeah, as an Olympian, he's probably the best U.S. Olympian stats-wise, I would say, that we have and have had over the last 20 years or so. So I'm not taking anything away from him on that. But NBA-wise, you know, too many – in his career, he ran into too many brick walls. I mean, when he was in the West, it was Kobe's West when he was coming up. So he couldn't get through that. Then when he was in the East, he was on the Knicks, and he couldn't get through being on the Knicks. <laughs> and by the time he came back to the Western Conference, he didn't fit as a starter anymore. And now that Life choices, his- man. Life choices. Yeah. I mean, he could have – I think he forced Denver to trade him, but had he played his contract out, I think he would have been a free agent and yes. been able to join LeBron if he wanted to. He could have gone anywhere uh, if he didn't force the trade to the Knicks. And the big talk at the time for what I remember was the Nets because the Nets were getting ready to move to Brooklyn. They were still in Jersey, but the next year. And they had Williams, right? 
they had Darren Williams and the third piece of that was going to be Dwight. So had he held out for another year, who knows, maybe in the West that time he's able to beat, you know, Dallas or Oklahoma city and get to a finals with the nuggets had he stuck it out. But you know, hindsight's 2020 and he made his choice and I don't think that the Nets would have won a title, but they would have been competitive if Dwight didn't regress the way he did mm-hmm. and Williams didn't regress the way he did. But that's the beauty of sports. So we can look back on it and make fun of these guys for making the wrong choices. <laughs> <laughs> and especially as a Knicks fan to be able to say that, you know, I've come to terms with his time and, uh, you know, we gave up a lot to get him. I was excited when he was there. And then by the time he was a free agent and Phil Jackson signed him, I was like, I can't believe you did that. And that that's how quickly it changes within three years. So, all right, we'll take a quick break and then we will be back on the comment section. So have you uh, watched any of the hockey games this week? Yes and no. They have it on at the gym. So I kind of glanced at it. But yesterday when I was working out, the Flyers were on and they were up 2 nothing. And I was, I was like, come on, man, pull this out. And then the Capitals scored. And I was like, oh, crap. And then I looked up again and we were up 3-1. So I kept an eye on that one. But as far as the rest of the league, uh, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I – paid attention to a few of the games i haven't really sat down and watched like a full game but uh it looks like now that the penguins and the oilers are out so the two i guess two of the bigger stars in the game won't be in the playoffs and i know i won't get any uh sympathy from you as a flyers fan that the penguins are out of it which is totally acceptable yeah i hate them (laughs) Uh, but the oilers on the other hand they Improved last year from uh, what I recall, and they made the playoffs last year, I think for the first time in quite a few years uh, with Connor McDavid. And now that they didn't get to this qualifying round and get through it, they're out for, you know, the rest of the regular uh, rest of the playoffs rather. So from a ratings perspective, I don't think it really matters one way or another for the NHL that those two aren't in it. You still have Ovechkin, I think. Maybe. I mean, they're at the, yeah. at the bottom of that but, round robin up. Yeah, so you, know, you still got the possibility of Ovechkin getting in. And then, uh, I mean, the Islanders, I didn't expect that they would push through the way they have. That's pretty surprising. <laughs> and then the lightning are still in. So the, the dominant teams are still in it, which is probably what we expected, but I don't think I have any grasp on how the rest of the hockey playoffs are going to play out. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to look out how the round Robin's going to work. I'm really, it's not an oh. easy thing to understand reading it. And I haven't seen it explained in a way that, for a casual sports fan like you know me that or you that doesn't really pay that that much attention to hockey how we can absorb the explanation in a quick manner and i think that's probably the way it is for a lot of people so 
um, it wouldn't surprise me if the whole qualifying format turned some people off because they just didn't understand what the hell was going on. But honestly, I, I, I feel like that, and I think we mentioned this uh, a couple episodes ago. Uh, ever since they changed the the everything, they changed the division names, they made them bigger, they brought Detroit over to our side, which mm-hmm. which really sucks because – I grew up hating Detroit because they were basically the Yankees of hockey. Yes. And uh, I don't care where they're geographically located. They're a West Coast team or Western Conference yeah. team. As with, Chi- fast. Yeah, they, as with Chicago. Stay. Yeah. And bringing them over here to the East where we, I mean, we bang around and, and beat each other up. Broad Street Bullies and Scott Stevens. I mean, yeah, they they haven't been able to survive at all since they've come into. I mean, they've been good in the Stanley Cups, right? Going against East teams, but that's just going against you know one team at the end, right? Try trying to go against East teams every single day. I think it's has worn them out, and they're just also the, their lack of talent. I don't know if they're not um, drafting well or the, the AHL farm is is no good i don't know it doesn't seem like that they've had um much success over the last couple years but when you have let's see i remember they they probably started becoming a dominant team let's say 95 you go i don't know 24 years as a dominant team like that you're bound to hit a few years where you're not making as much noise or being the franchise that everybody's used to for you know the last 20 years and you said growing up they were easy team to dislike i recall the the 2002 red wings i'm looking at the the lineup right now but i remember they were stacked they had chris chelios they had chelios was still around uh, four years old I, I think he might have stopped playing like last night, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Fedorov, Iserman, Hasek, Brett Hull was on that team. Uh, Igor Larionov, McCarty, yeah. Robitaille, Shanahan. Jesus. I mean, if you're looking at a team that in one sport figured out the let's get all the mercenaries together for a year and win the title and successfully pulled it off – they were that team, without a doubt. I and mean, you can't have the number of Hall of Famers on this team. There's nine well, most, Hall of Famers yeah. on that team. That's crazy. And if you're – I mean, it was unbelievable, the talent that they had on this team. And that wasn't even probably their best team. I'll say that. I say the 98 team is probably their best team. Yeah, I was thinking uh, late nineties. Yeah, with uh, Osgood or Vernon. Uh, ninety eight was Osgood. So that team, fucking Osgood. Yeah, regular season wise, they had uh, the most regular but, season but even ever. Ninety six. You, you got Vernon. You have Osgood. You have Hasek. Uh, who's the one they had to beat um, the Penguins? Uh, who was that guy? Um, I mean, they've just had like. Outstanding goalie after yeah. outstanding goalie. Like, holy crap. Yeah, they were um, 
team that you always like, you knew you had a chance to beat them because they weren't like going to win it every single year, except when they won the back to back ones. But the early parts of their dynasty, they were swept out of the finals by the Devils. They were eliminated by the Avalanche in the Avalanche's first year in the Western Conference. That was pretty much the case of an Eastern Conference team when they were in Quebec moving to the West. And it kind of goes back to your point of how Detroit's style of play over the years has been that West Coast, like fast hockey style play, whereas the Avalanche, when they were in these, brought this grinded out physical game that Detroit probably wasn't ready for that year. There's no way I clicked on the right button. Yeah, it says 2008 Stanley Cup Finals had Osgood. So he played uh, – how many seasons did he play? Because – so what happened to him when, when Hasek got in there? He was not in Detroit. He was with the Islanders that year. Oh, I forgot he went to <laughs> New York. And that was actually the first year that the Islanders made the playoffs since I think 94 when Osgood went there. So, yeah, that's a feather in his cap. Yeah, and then he came back to Detroit in 2005 and then started 46 games the year that they, or 43 games the year they won the Stanley Cup in 08 against the Penguins. Oh, he assumed the starting role from Hasek in the 07 08 season yeah. because he that late. I didn't think Hasek was around then. That's crazy. That's a tidbit of information I did not know. And then, and then in the in the playoffs, Hasek got pulled after just sucking in games three and four in the first round. So and that's two thousand eight. Yeah, Osgood came in and held on to it ever since. That's. Yeah. Yeah, that's nuts. Dang, in games one and two, he had back-to-back shutouts. Of the Stanley Cup final? Yeah. And then the Penguins never lost the Stanley Cup final after that. I don't want to talk about them and how they almost bankrupt and left the league, and then all of a sudden, oh, we feel bad for you. Let's give you all these good picks. Same with Chicago. Tired of that crap. (laughs) Chicago didn't give a crap. They didn't give a crap about hockey, nor the Blackhawks. And then, uh, you know, the NHL was like, well, how do we expand and how do we make money because we suck and no one likes us. So you invested in an original six team. (laughs) Yeah, why don't we help uh, one of these teams that uh, that sucks? What's in a good city? Bastards. We should have Patrick Kane. We should have two or three cups. So with all this NFL uh, opt-out going on and the deadline being today, Deion Sanders on his Twitter has decided that he is going to take the complete opposite approach that everybody else is taking when it comes to these players opting out and believing that they're doing what's best for their families and their own personal well-being. Deion Sanders seems to think that the players are trying to be bigger than the game of football. And his tweet says, I quote, all players opting out in all sports, please believe the game will go on without you. 
this is a business and don't you ever forget that there's no one that's bigger than the game itself only the ref umps and officials are that important that you can't play without them not you hashtag truth first of all i want to know if dion has been hanging out with michael urban (laughs) because it sounds like it it sounds like the ravings and rantings of a madman i haven't heard anybody give any professional athlete any trouble or any grief really in the public for opting out of a season whether it be you know uh, Avery Bradley opting out of the NBA season or um, Sam Beal opting out of the Giants and, and the NFL season or you know, any of those guys that have done this that seem to have you know support from the online social media communities that are out there but I mean for Dion to go out and say this number one it seems like a pretty tone deaf thing for him to say he's been he's been you know a, a pretty good I think representative of the game of football over the last 15 20 years you know he's coaching his son's high school football team during football season and then going and doing his gig on the NFL network. So it's kind of disappointing to see this come out because I don't think he understands really what these guys are opting out of. And it's kind of this thinking that has gotten this situation, especially in the U S to where it is today. The fact that these guys even have to opt out is because of incorrect thoughts like this. And I don't know what's going on. I don't know if he's had too much, you know, whiskey or too much tequila tonight. It is Friday. So he might be, you know, pouring a few shots out and taking a few, like I said, Michael Irvin might be over. I don't know. I I just don't think he's correct in his assessment here. And I don't think these choices were made to be bigger than the game. I agree with what you're saying. A hundred percent. I really didn't see Dion saying something like this. It's definitely, it's definitely a little bit tone deaf, but I think it does need some clarification. But, but let me continue mm-hmm. on why he's wrong. Sure, is you have these guys like Avery Bradley, whose kid has asthma and, ha- and has some other like lung issues. And this virus attacks your lungs pretty much the most. So. I mean, he's already struggling, you know, with with uh, breathing, and this is going to give you shortness of breath. Then there's a couple other people who have had kids and opted out. Um, even though I do want to say Mike Trout had a kid, got out of the, the MLB for like uh, a week maybe, and then came back in. So he's still doing it. Mm-hmm. But obviously the, the infancy period is – very difficult for a baby and then being around your baby and with the Cardinals and the Marlins, you don't know when Corona is going to pop up in the MLB because they're not, some of the teams are not being as strict as as they're supposed to be. But Mm -hmm. what it could end up being is I I feel like a lot of people are going to be attacking Dion for this and his clarification when he comes out and says, something like, hey, I know what's going on in New England. There is no reason. Now, I'm 100%. If, if a player has a good reason to opt out, 
there's no reason why you have 10 players and everybody else has one or two players. Right. That I, I see that part. There's something going on in New England because there's, there's no way. First off, there's no way you, you look Bill Belichick in the eye. Um, unless you literally, cause uh, Dante Hightower just had a kid. So he gets a pass. Right. You know, some of these other guys. McCourty uh, opted out, correct? I'm not sure. I know it was Tan Chung. Chung, not gonna that's be it there. Was, yeah. I think McCourty was on the fence, but because, like you said, it just ended. I, I don't know if they reported him staying or going. But I, I definitely – so I, I definitely do think there is a bit of truth to what Dion's saying. The one guard for the Chiefs – is one of the only other excuses that I'll take because mm-hmm. he's he's actually a doctor, right? In, in you know in real life when he's not wearing pads. Oh yeah, that's right. Yes, and and he's on the front line and has been on the front line this entire time. He gets a pass. He's actually trying to help people and and fight this. Having a kid, having um, maybe like I don't know. But but yeah, I do I, I do agree there there seems to be some people who are eh, I'm just not gonna play. Yeah. Okay, well the game's gonna move on without you. <laughs> right. So yeah, the tweet is like I said, it's tone deaf for him not to clarify who he's addressing. You're not gonna tell a guy like Nate Soldier, who we mentioned has yes, I know, agree. an ill kid that he's you know opting out because he thinks he's bigger than game and you know so he does need to clarify that uh you know the the patriots you're right there is something strange going on there i don't know if it's a now that brady is gone people are going to feel free to mutiny against belichick for whatever reason i i think brady might have been the buffer between belichick and the rest of the team and Mm -hmm. now that he's not there you know, a guy like uh, Hightower probably could have been, at least on the defense, that kind of guy because he's been there for a mm-hmm. few years. Uh, even a guy like Chung was probably – Yeah, I was surprised when Chung's name came out. Yeah, so it seems like a lot of their top-tier leaders on the defense – They have nobody on their, on their roster. No, no. And You take the 10 guys away, you take their kicker away, you take Tom Brady away – who do you have? It's going to uh, be Van, Van Noy left. Yeah. A couple, uh, land accounts, like a bunch of dudes just, right. Just gone. And you can't assume that cam is going to step up and be the vocal leader day one. He's going to have to get mm-hmm. on the field and prove in a game situation with a game on the line that, he can do it and then he'll get the buy-in from everybody there. Uh, I think he'll be a leader to the offense, but as far as being a, a conduit right, a t- between a team, yeah, between Belichick and the team, I don't think he's there yet. You know, and it, I don't he think he'll prove be there for a while. Well, uh, he's behind the power curve. Maybe if you said like, as soon as Brady's like, Hey, I'm going to Tampa. And then the Patriots are like, Hey, we're, we, we got cam. And we didn't have Corona. Mm-hmm. I could get a little bit behind you, but you also have to look at these guys have been ingrained in this mindset, the yes. Patriot way mm-hmm. for so many years that they're going to look at Cam like, 
<laughs> He's not dude. doing it that way. <laughs> you, you're going to have to earn it the hard way. Yeah. And that's another thing too. So a lot of these guys who, you know, Patrick Chung or uh, Dante Hartower who have been there and know the Patriot way aren't going to be there to help Cam mm-hmm. kind of navigate through it. So I think Stidham might be able to do it, but he's not going to do it from a position where Cam mm-hmm. is going to res- not respect them. Cause I don't want to say that. Cause I think even like a starting quarterback and a backup and a third stringer all respect one another because they have to sit in the meeting rooms and watch the film together. But Cam's going to look at a guy like Stidham and be like, when he's trying to tell him, this is what the Patriots do. But Cam will be like, yeah, I'm a former MVP. What are you trying to tell me? Like, yeah. <laughs> so that'll be interesting to see how they manage all that. I think as we get closer to the NFL season, it'd be fun to do like every week, a division by division prediction and see the you know, based off the schedules, who we think is going to be, you know, division winner, last place team kind of go through all that. So that's something that I think we can look forward to. We got a few weeks before the regular season kicks off. So we have some time to research that and really get our. Even with that terrible roster, I still have money on them over the jets any day. <laughs> I, I think any betting person would take the field in the AFC East over the jets. <laughs> And that's, yeah, like I said, I think maybe we'll start next week with the AFC East because it's probably from top to bottom the most intriguing division out there with all the changes and drafting. You know, two is there. You got Darnold there. Uh, Jamal Adams is no longer in the AFC East. Brady's no longer there. And Buffalo only seems to be getting the pieces better, yeah. And, building to become a contender. So I think maybe next week we'll do that and get our AFC East predictions in line as we come up to the 2020 football season, whatever that might look like Uh, real quick before we wrap up now, MLB seemed to have gotten its act together after the Marlins outbreak and the Cardinals outbreak. (sighs) I haven't heard anything this week as far as, any type of outbreak brewing. So that's a positive sign. Have you heard anything of how they're making up the games that like a team like the Phillies lost uh, in that week? Double headers. They're just trying to cram in as many double headers. And with the new rule, when you have a double header, it's seven innings. Okay. So I was watching the first Phillies double header against the Yankees and we were kicking the crap out of them and they started to make a comeback in the final inning and they're like, we just have to get this inning done. We don't have to have, you know, an eighth and a ninth inning, but wow, it's definitely weird because midway through the the third inning, that's half the game. Yeah. That's a little odd. It's, it's a weird feeling, but they're playing a little league. They're playing a little league game. (laughs) I kind of liked it because it was like, oh my God, you got to hurt. Yeah, it was was so much pressure. And it was like, oh man, we're down two runs. And then, you know, Harper hits a a two run shot. It's like, oh man, we're back in this. Yeah. Just like that. A swing of the bat, we're back in it. Um, It's crazy. That's pretty cool. I I didn't realize that's what they were doing. Uh, They've got, like like I said, the little league peewee schedule where it's seven innings and that's it. So both games are seven innings or the second game is only seven? Both. Okay. 
Trust I me. guess that makes sense because I was listening to, and it's like a 30 minute break in between. So it's oh, not wow. much. And it's usually like an hour and a half. I think if I'm not mistaken, I've sat through uh day night double headers before and it's, it's pretty fun to sit and, and uh, wait for the I've next game. I've never done to start. a double header before. A, a single admission double header is fun. Yeah. That's uh, to me, that just seems like, Oh, it's so a long fun. day, but it's, it's fun. I mean, the one that I went to uh, was 2006 with Christina and it was Marlins Mets doubleheader. So the first game started at like 110 and then the second game started at four. Mets lost the first game, but then the second game they won like 18 to two. And that was awesome to, to, to end up. with. Yeah. It's a fun, yeah, it's a fun experience if you're on the you know, right side of it. If your team wins the first game. As long as they don't get swept, that's the worst. <laughs> oh yeah, hey, you paid this money and you're sitting yeah. there for like, like five hours. And no, it's brutal. Catch two L's. It's even more brutal when you're not of legal drinking age. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm glad that they got their act together. It does give me some hope that they'll be able to finish the season. And it did get scary be, for a moment. Yeah, a moment. yeah. I was under the impression that they were not going to be able to finish the season. After the Cardinals thing broke last week, I was like, if one more team it somehow has an outbreak, they're done because they can't right. They can't get out of it. There's no way to avoid it happening and popping up for the because rest of the league. It, it, it's, not, it's not something where you could just shut that team down. Like, you shut down – Their opponent, yeah. Their opponent as well, and then they're just sitting there, just like. <laughs> and then the next series, like let's say, okay, the Cardinals and the Braves or whoever were playing, the Cardinals get the outbreak. Cardinals and Braves stop playing, and then whoever was playing the Braves and the Cardinals two days from now have to stop playing because the clearing period isn't up yet. <laughs> right. So it, it's, it's it's a monkey wrench for it. sure. Yeah, it's good that they got that under control they were really losing uh favor with a lot of people over the course of last week so it's good to know that at least for maybe another week the baseball season will be without any issue it seems to be that they've gotten some stuff under control and i can only hope for the best uh for the mlb at this point because you know it, it really does make the NFL season a lot more like you said there's a lot of pressure in these doubleheader games but then the NFL season just becomes that much more I guess <clears throat> crucial to, to not have something like that happen I think I think that NFL would be a lot better when it comes to this because MLB teams are used to going and traveling to uh, a city and you're going to be there for a few days might as well, you know, enjoy out. eating out and hanging out and doing all that. Exactly. But in the NFL, you go there and you're pretty much like practice. You get there uh, like on Saturday. Tape. Yeah, you're, you're doing practice and game tape and relaxing and going over meditating, you know, mm -hmm. the plays that you're going to do, looking at your playbook, play, and then you leave. Mm -hmm. So there's no strip club and – going out to clubs and hanging out. And <laughs> yeah. Unless you're doing you're that in, in your, in your own city. So. Right. But I, I feel like the NFL is more like, you know, wake up, go to work, mm -hmm. finish work, come home, 
yeah. you know, eat all my meals, go to bed, repeat yeah. the next day. Like baseball has too much downtime. It has too much downtime. Like you could have the day off and you're just sitting there in the dugout chilling. So then yeah. after the game, you, you have plenty of energy to go and if you're in while a, out. If you're in Atlanta, you go to Magic City. Yeah. Get some, uh, <laughs> Run get some into wings. Lou Williams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, by, by, by now, he should be like co-owner. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, his first game actually this week was the, the Suns game. And he looked like he was, you know, in, in decent shape, but you could tell that he, he wasn't ready to take the, uh, the couple weeks off that he did, but he just yeah. needed to get those wings, man. <laughs> get them wings, man. So, yeah, like I said, I think next week we should preview the AFC East and then maybe we'll do an NFC division as well. Maybe NFC East because you know we're familiar with that. And then Yeah, we could do like the East and then the following week yeah. the West and the Yeah. Yeah, we'll do that and then by the time we're done doing that, the NFL season will probably be a few days away. So, uh I appreciate you listening. This is Wilson A, Will Sanchez on the comment section. Have a good week everybody. Take care. All right, out.